This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Of all these opinions, this is the one that continues to blindside me, dumbfound me, gobsmack me, thunderstruck Just me. blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm! This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase. With me, as always, my man, Cody. What is going on? Man, it's being a pretty good night right now. We got Scott Fishbowl kicked off today as we're recording. I mean, you might be in round two once we get to the actual drop of this on Wednesday morning because I know yours is going a little bit slow. I haven't kicked off yet because I am doing a live draft come this next weekend. But uh, how's it going for you so far? I mean, man, it, yeah, it, it was brutal. I'm, I was the one. I'm the 101 for everyone out there. I'm the 101. I took Josh Allen. Did it in record time, set my pre-draft. I was ready to go. I followed what that Scott Fishbowl email said. 102, however, six hours and 45 minutes of just pain sitting there for him to take Jalen Hurts. And, you know, at least he picked today. Uh, we are trucking along here at I mean, one o'clock Eastern, which is 10 a.m., 10 p.m. my time. So I think we finally are going to make it out of round one tomorrow morning hey at least you're not getting anybody who's not picking at least there's no replacements in your league yet because those are abundant in scott fishbowl be ready if you are on one of those if you are one of those people who's on the waiting list it's probably filled by the time you're listening to this but it's unfortunate that it happens every year but scott fishbowl is absolutely amazing talk to me a little bit about your josh allen at 101 uh so we had talked about this actually uh little bit last week and I was kind of heavy set on Jalen Hurts at the 101 and 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 I get you know similar type of upside right when it comes to Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts both of them have you know immense rushing potential um have weapons things like that I feel like J- uh, Jalen Hurts could still have uh improvement in the passing game I just don't know how much volume he's going to end up getting um but I do feel like there's going to be some some regression in the touchdown range on the ground you know, he had 13 rushing touchdowns last year, and with all of that being said, in this format, the way it's set up, Josh Allen was still QB1 last year. Year before that, Josh Allen was QB1 based on the scoring. So I was like, you know what? I might as well just stick with what's working. Yeah, it's the safe play. It's not, you know, whatever. I'm okay with it. I'm perfectly fine with it. I figure uh, I'm not going to mess up my 101. I don't even think it's necessarily just the safe play. I mean, we saw Josh Allen last year. He got banged up pretty significantly during the year, fought through that injury. And I do think there's actually more upside for Josh Allen to improve even Mm -hmm. on last year's production to this year's production. I'm kind of with you that I think the rushing touchdowns will you know, regress back to a little bit of the mean for rushing quarterbacks and Jalen Hurts. They did keep in the tush push, but maybe they just don't get to the one yard line and use him as much as they did bring in two other guys and Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift to try to run that offense a little bit more on the ground, keep their franchise now locked up quarterback healthy. Maybe they don't run him as much as they did last year. And maybe it's a little bit less centered, centrified through him and only De- Deontay. 
ooh, AJ Brown and Smitty. So <laughs> I, I, I love what Josh Allen has done and what he has shown me over the last couple of years, over the course of a little bit more history than what Jalen Hurts in one year has shown me. And I think there is more upside potential for Josh Allen. And that goes, I think, right into what my plan is whenever I go to Dallas and I'm live drafting there yes, as I go there on Saturday morning, kicking off a live draft at Community Beer over there. So if you are in the Dallas area, go show up. Come say hi to me. Come say hi to, I believe now, Ray GQ himself will be there and in person. So it'll be really cool to meet him. I think Gene might show up as well. So it'll be really cool to see a lot of the DD community. I know Bruni is going to be showing up there and live drafting as well. It's going to be an awesome time up there in Dallas. And so pretty stoked about that. But I have the 102 pick. And I'm kind of hoping with, with what you got, I'm kind of hoping that I get the Josh Allen there at 102. If not, I will be Jalen Hurts, though, over Patrick Mahomes just because of the rushing upside and how this format leans to it. Yeah, and I think that's what it came down to for me. Like, I know people have been considering uh, Travis Kelsey at the 101. And I get the, the the positional advantage for him, but uh, it really was Jalen Hurts or, or Josh Allen. And right now, Josh Allen and ADP that we've seen so far through Scott Fishbowl is actually at the 103. So there's a, there's a good shot he's going to be there for you. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, are you going to be happy taking him at the 102 if you – like, yeah. I mean, like we talked about, like we went through with your team, I'd be taking yeah. him at the 101. He is my yeah. 101 quarterback go. in this format. So I will be beyond ecstatic if he's there. If it is Jalen Hurts, again, beyond, I think there, I think legitimately you should probably place yourself at either the 103 or the 104. I think Travis Kelsey is my 104 if I was in this draft. Yeah. And I'm pretty ecstatic about that too. But to me personally, it is super flex. It's a like, it's the way we like to play our dynasty leagues. Maybe it doesn't lend itself to as much of an upside in just a normal redraft Scott Fishbowl, but I think that you should still stack up your quarterback one position with one of these top three quarterbacks and so any of these top three picks i don't have any hesitation drafting any of these guys mahomes hurts or allen i think if you've got one of those top three picks and scott fishbowl you're doing yourself a pretty good job i you know just we were talking about regression for jalen hurts and i had to look him up he, he played 15 games he had 165 rush attempts in those 15 games like i just have a tough time seeing that level sustained so uh yep uh, happy with my pick so far so you said you know going into to your draft you know uh, you, quarterback obviously it seems like is going to be it, your pick at 102 it's going to be quarterback it's either yeah. going to be that hurts or that josh allen i'm really liking the josh allen pick there at two though because the best way that i've seen my mock drafts play out so far is going josh allen and then running it back at the 210 or the 211 with stefan Diggs. if i get okay. that stack out of the first two rounds i know it's probably pretty chalk but from there i think i can build out a pretty different team probably going to punt quarterback as I really like the floor that the QB twos have in this format. There's no negative scoring here. So I think the two QB twos are elevated up a little bit higher than they normally are in other leagues where their turnovers don't really matter. Their sacks aren't negative. Like they sometimes have been in the past Scott fishbowls, their interceptions, their completion percentage, everything like that doesn't yeah. negatively affect them. So I think the QB two is a little bit more elevated. I'm thinking I'm going to be punting and then, you know, just leaning on that Josh Allen to really, carry me at the super flex position and then backfilling it with a couple of other guys some desmond ritters jimmy g's brock purdy's later in it and then just building through that running back position through rounds three through probably six but you know we're probably going to get there we're, we're going to get to the community beer garden the beers will start throwing the uh, live drafts will start going and it'll probably go all to hell whenever i start <laughs> whenever i start actually putting those names on the board 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was just about to ask you that kind of what the the plan was beyond, and, that, and that's kind of what I was looking at too. You know, we've seen you know Diggs and, and AJ Brown going uh, at that two eleven two twelve turn typically. Um, you know, I, I have a couple ideas in mind. You know, there's there's some quarterbacks that I do have interest in. You know, potentially taking you know just another quarterback and being done with quarterback for a long time. You know, at least through you know the, the eleven rounds, twelve rounds, um, and, and filling out my lineup. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm waiting to see what the board does. And I think that's the big thing that we've seen so far with Scott Fishbowl. And, you know, we, we do have the Adico ADP that does update as the drafts do go along. But uh, we've seen some stuff shifting. We've seen a lot of these quarterbacks that were going in like the eighth round. Now they're in the seventh. Some of the seventh round guys are now in the sixth. Uh, so it, it is creeping up. So it will be interesting to see, you know, what strategies are viable um, in a few days, I guess a few weeks by the time I get to the third or fourth round, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, see what strategies are actually viable and, and kind of what's going on. No, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Scott Fishbowl has a lot of variance in it. Um, I know, uh, there, there's another couple of tools out there that'll give you, you know, the high pick and the low pick. And especially for somebody like me, who's doing a live draft in Dallas, is there a little bit of Cowboys bias whenever we get in there? Uh, maybe we see that Dak Prescott shoot up from his current ADP of 208. Maybe he's a uh, top of the second round pick. Maybe that CD lamb goes up a little bit higher. So maybe we can play a little bit of the you know personal bias against some of these people that I'm going to be drafting against. But regardless, no, it's, it, this is all for charity. It's all for fun. It's going to be a hell of a good, time the strategy at the end of the day you know really this is one of those leagues that you can actually just have fun with obviously if you are the winner who takes down scott fishbowl it is an absolute honor and a privilege and you're probably going to have honors and flowers thrown at you in every single way for the next year but at the end of the day man have fun with it take the guys you want it's a free league just have fun with it enjoy it and do it for what it truly is which is just the fantasy community coming together to donate to an absolutely incredible cause that Scott Fish puts together to Toys for Tots and Fantasy Cares, the charity, uh, legalized charity now. They're an actual charity now. So shout out to them and everything that they have done to put this on this year. Yeah, they they had, we have a completely filled satellites of scott fishbowl as well that were on underdog um and those were like five dollar buy and i believe all of that again goes to to charity and so that was a great cause the fact that that's filled as well again big shout out to everybody whoever got into scott fishbowl congratulations um it is it is tough to get into it, it is an honor to be in the actual scott fishbowl um and then being part of the satellites is always a fun uh fun venture as well um and if you haven't heard underdog fantasy has partnered with destination Devi. For the upcoming season so if you do use promo code tfdr at sign up you can get up to a 100 deposit match on your first deposit and if you deposit ten dollars or more on that deposit you will get one year access to the destination debbie discord where you can get access to all of the sheets all of the analytics all of the breakdowns that are going on talk strategy see what team builds are happening again it is an incredible place to be for your underdog drafts and for fantasy and if you do get that, obviously, you know, you get access to us every single day within the discord up there. You know, you get you can ask us any questions you want. If you get all the way up into the Heisman tier, you can be in voice chat with us as well. Absolute blast in there. But if you don't even get into that, definitely check out all of the other pods that are coming to you on the Destination Debbie feed. We had the untitled pod from Ray drop yes. on this weekend. We had money in the bank drop from 
Jay Rich as well. And good God, both of those were absolutely amazing. Jay Rich, I mean, Jay Rich dropping a rap intro to just start off his podcast. I don't even think really anything was talked about, but I'm absolutely pumped for both of those. Ray just being inspiring to everybody on the weekend as well, telling you to get your life in shape and your fantasy teams in shape. Absolutely going to be fire for the rest of the season all the way through 2023. Nothing's going to change and only more things are coming. Stay tuned, man. Yeah, and if you really do want to be committed to the process without being emotionally attached to the results, you got to make sure you're part of Destination Debbie's Discord. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. Hands down, the best place to be in fantasy. So yeah, so again, Scott Fishbowl's kicked off here. Um, it is it is heart of dead season you know, for, for fantasy in, in terms of things like that. But we wanted to kind of look at uh, some recap what happened in 2022 and look at some of the reactions overreactions that that took place and in, in some of the things that happened and then look ahead to 2023 as well so looking back at 2022 what a wild ride like from i would say post draft on i mean we the, we had the awful well, quote-unquote awful 2022 draft class that ruined fantasy drafts all over the place if you had a rebuild and you're banking on that, that draft class that didn't pan out for you so well and then we get into the summer and we have, you know, all the talk of these teams that are going on, some of these quarterbacks that are having their opportunities, some of these divisions that we thought were going to be just absolute monsters. I mean, where do you want to start with what happened last year? I think I want to just start from an NFL level. You know, we, we've been talking a lot of fantasy. We've been yeah. talking a lot of fantasy gaming. We've been talking a lot of strategy on this podcast since we first launched. But what we really haven't done is actually do what was titled of this podcast and that is overreact this is the overreaction pod and honestly we haven't done a lot of that so i want like looking back at some of those overreactions that we had from last year going into the season and the one that i would like to start with is actually what we thought was going to be the by far and away best division in the nfl not from a fantasy perspective at all however we it definitely affected what we thought of guys like Russell Wilson, guys like Derek Carr, Devontae Adams. The AFC West was supposed to be the powerhouse conference of the NFL. Everybody was going to be 10 wins plus. You were going to get Mahomes versus Herbert, Mahomes versus Carr, Mahomes versus Russ, and those were going to be high-powered offensive shootouts. Draft all of your AFC West guys because in Week 17, they're going to be absolutely dominating for your underdog drafts and... It's gone. All of them sucked. Like, we, <laughs> we had we had the Mahomes. Mahomes and the Chiefs did not yep. fall off, although they got off to a little bit of a rocky start. But the AFC West in general just disappointed. I think it's just good to note that like we overreacted to what we thought this division was going to be. And as much as we want to try to predict what the 2023 season is going to bring to us and what we think all these teams are going to take the next step, some of them are going to regress, we have no idea what's really going to happen. It's no better illustrated than what this AFC West division brought us last year. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously, uh, Denver Broncos fan here. Uh, Russell Wilson come into town. We thought everything was going to be great. You know, we had a, a, a up and coming running back in Javante Williams. Eh? Um, you know, we had Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. It seemed like everything was right in place for the Broncos. You, then you had all the all everything going on with uh, with the Raiders and Derek Carr and Devontae Adams reuniting again and, and and Josh Jacobs. Like 
this conference or this division was supposed to be incredible. And there were still some good fantasy performances out of the division, but Justin Herbert got banged up. You know, his I think his rib injury caused him a lot more problems than than we all anticipated. And I mean, let's not even go with that offensive coordinator situation that is now hopefully fixed with with Kellen Moore. But we all thought that offense was going to be incredible and it was okay. I mean, it was good for Eckler. Yeah, it was good for Eckler, but I mean, they also suffered wide receiver injuries. Yeah. Their average depth of target was like negative two yards, if I remember oh. off the top of my head correctly. Um, <laughs> that that Joe Lombardi offense, I'm glad that's freaking gone, man. I, I hope, I, th- I think we do see that Herbert bounce back this year, but it was just not what we expected. We expected them to be like, I think we were picking them to be Super Bowl contenders, and they're barely a playoff team, and they're bounced out in the first round. I mean, this is not what we expected from this division at all and it just stands to show us what we could possibly expect whenever we think these divisions and these teams are locked in for 2023 there's a lot of variance in the nfl and it, nothing is exactly as it seems just from day one at this time of the offseason yeah i mean i had the chargers as one of my favorites to to advance far into the playoffs actually i believe i actually had them in the afc championship game i might have even had them in the super bowl preseason um and <laughs> that did not happen denver uh at least they thought was a playoff team and the wheels fell off that bus real quick. The Russ bus was not happening with Nathaniel Hackett and he couldn't hack it in Denver. So got it. I think the division, you know, I, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic here, but I feel like it's going to be better than last year. Let's just go with that. I'm not going to go out and say it's going to be what we thought it was or we, what we thought it was going to be last, you know, in, in 2022, but uh, I still think it's going to be better than what we saw. You know, Kellen Moore taking over the helm there for the offensive coordinator in uh, in L.A. That's going to be good. Sean Payton's going to at least be better than what Nathaniel Hackett was. I don't know if he's going to quote unquote fix Russ, but it can't be any worse. And then the Raiders are just the Raiders. Like they're yeah, they're there. I legitimately don't think they changed it all from last year. Like replacing <laughs> Derek Carr with Jimmy G is not like the. <laughs> Not the upgrade that you're really looking for, in my opinion, especially as you take Jimmy G out of a San Francisco offense with Shanahan, which has just propelled every QB above what their actual level of expectation is. And then you throw him to the Raiders system. I just I don't see that one really working out for them, man. I see them being about the same as they were last year. Raiders are going to Raider and and the Chiefs are going to Chief. Like, I think the Chiefs are going to are the cream of that crop again. But yeah, I mean, that division just fell flat on its face in comparison um, I mean, the Chargers did sneak into the playoffs, but they got ousted by by T Law in, in a tremendous upset uh, comeback defeat, so to speak. And uh, that'll cost some people their jobs. One of the worst managed games that I've ever seen in my life. And somehow Brandon Staley is still the head coach of that team. So <laughs> while they do have a new OC, you know, yeah. there's some things that haven't changed there. And we'll see how that goes going forward. But let's move from the AFC West actually to the NFC West. And that's where we also saw a tremendous change from what we were expecting last year. I mean, I think we might have had it was basically an LAC or an LA Super Bowl. It was going to be, you know, possibly Chargers and Rams, and then the Rams fall flat on their face, and then, you know, we were going to see the Seahawks. They were in the Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud sweepstakes, and never mind. Uh, I think this is kind of the 
cautionary tale that I've been saying of 15 teams are possibly going to be tanking for Caleb Williams and the Seahawks were supposed to be in that race for the top quarterback this year. Never mind. It actually turns out that Geno Smith can revitalize his career right back to the NFL and say, hey, we're going to actually push for the playoffs this year. It didn't work out for him, but the Seattle Seahawks turning from what we projected to be a bottom three pick in the NFL all the way up to potentially almost making the playoffs was an unexpected turnaround. And along with that, the Rams just faltering and falling flat on their faces after a Super Bowl win. Yeah, I distinctly remember uh, Ben Eby from Elite Seekers. Um, he was part of, of Heisman for a long time, uh, still doing his thing, I believe. But he was in there. He's a big time Seattle Seahawks fan. And he was talking about how Pete Carroll is still there and they are not going to just throw this season away and tank for a quarterback. And I, everyone was kind of like, yeah, right. There's no way like this, the Geno Smith and, and Drew Locke at the time, like whatever, whoever wins that quarterback battle is going to be awful. They're going to be terrible. They're going to have a top 10 pick. Like that was at least the discussion. They're going to have a top 10 pick. They did, but it was Denver's pick. And, <laughs> you, know, you know, that's kind of how that panned out. I, taking it to a fantasy perspective, like that was one of the biggest things that, that benefited me last off season was drew lock. I seeing him enough in Denver knew he was not it. And it's like, all right, well, if I'm going to take a shot on any of this, either, either of these quarterbacks, it's going to be Gino. And so I just gobbled up some Gino, got him cheap. If I could anywhere I could, and was just banking on the fact that he was going to be the guy did not expect him to play the way he did. I, 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 I want to say, like, I don't think he's a pumpkin, but at the same time, I don't know, man. Like, that was a wild season for Gino. You didn't you didn't expect quarterback seven out of him? That, that wasn't in the range of outcomes for old Gino Smith? <laughs> no, I would be like, you know, give me a quarterback, you know, 16, 17. Give me a Baker Mayfield season. I'll be happy with what I got out of him. <laughs> then Gino comes back and just absolutely efficient, just turns efficiency up to a new level of unexpected revelations for Geno Smith and just, hey, I mean, it, it should be a very good team again. I mean, we've got the yeah. addition of JSN. We've got the addition of Zach Charbonnet. You've still got the DK Metcalf, the Tyler Lockett running backs there. You've still got Walker. I mean, th this should be a very good team. I, I'm very, you still in on Geno. I, I know it feels like he should revert back to what he was, but I just don't know how with all of the weapons and just this offense should take a step forward almost from what it was last year with more weapons. It's just really on Geno to play at the efficiency level that he was last year. And I think that's the big thing. Like he led the league in completion percentage. I believe he was at like either, I think he was at 70% for most of the season. And, and so he was uber efficient. He executed the system very, very well. And they gave him another weapon in JSN. They gave him another running back who can pass catch a little bit better than Kenneth Walker with Zach Charbonnet. So they, they have all of the pieces in place for this offense to be successful. And I have been more and more just like bought into the fact that, you know, this is Geno Smith's, offense for the next at least i'm gonna say two years unless unless he does just revert back into that pumpkin right but i mean a league leading 69.8 percent completion yeah. percentage last year it was just under 70 percent and leading the league obviously not what we expected but i obviously i definitely have bought into a lot of gino shares this offseason yeah i think he's gonna be i think he's gonna be good again um so i'm, I'm excited you're you know for for what that offense could be uh again no one expected Seattle to have the picks that they did. Um, so yeah, it worked out really, really well. And I, I think that they're going to be another good offense this year. 
Uh, so hopefully they don't turn into a pumpkin and now have a top three pick. So we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. Yeah, let, let's move, though, from a little bit of what we were expecting from the preseason to what we actually saw in season. Okay. And and the one that I want to talk about first is the quarterback on, on this show. I'm still not a big proponent of, but I have been way too low on at times. Uh, I have I have dogged this man much more than he should be dogged for, especially during last season. And granted, during last season, he was not rushing at the, you know, running back one elite numbers that he was rushing at. And that is Justin Fields. And whenever he was actually just trying to throw the ball and only getting sacked and they were losing every single game, Justin Fields was getting tanked in value. I think if like if we remember, if we go back to last year, we go back to week six, week seven, whenever this Chicago Bears team looked so atrocious on offense, they could do absolutely nothing. Justin Fields' value, I vividly remember the conversation where we were talking about it, and I was like, I will sell for seconds. I would sell Justin Fields for seconds at some points during last off during the year last year. And then he ended up rushing and it obviously turned around and now he's still a top nine quarterback, but it is just a cautious reminder of there will be droughts and periods of the season where we overreact to things that are happening and it can turn around to be much better than what it currently is. Yeah. Like I- I know we talked about or I, it was not we it was talked about that, you know, go for seconds. I saw him go for like singular firsts. It was just straight swap one pick for for Justin Fields. And and when you hear these numbers based on what we saw as his rookie year, first four weeks, QB 20, QB 27, QB 31 and QB 26. I mean, like it's not good. Like, that's not good. That is not what you expect. And so, yeah, I, I get the panic on it. But it's it's one of those things that sometimes we we get too reactionary in, in fantasy, especially in, in Dynasty, where it's like, crap, he's awful. We got to get out now. And and it's it's hard to truly process that in the moment where it's like, okay, he's young. This offensive line is atrocious. He's passing to, you know, Darnell Mooney. Like, that's all he's got. And then Darno Mooney gets hurt, and it's yeah, literally right. only Justin Fields. Yeah, it was Justin Fields out there just doing his thing. And when he did, I mean, the following weeks, week five and on, QB 13, QB 8, QB 5, QB 5, QB 1, QB 1, QB 7, QB 5, QB 7. That's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, that that's a pretty that's a pretty good clip that he's putting out there. And so, um, you know, the, the field's turnaround was really evident with just the rushing attempts and volume that he was getting, and he is absolutely elite in that area. It's just will he continue that? I know I've continued to say that I don't believe it will really continue at that pace and at that level of production this next year, which is why I've been fading him a little bit more. He really does need to stay, take that step as a passer. If this bears offense does want to actually win NFL games. And I think we need to, you know, put that a little bit into our fantasy mindscapes of like, if he doesn't win NFL games, it doesn't matter how good of a fantasy asset he is. He eventually needs to, for his long-term dynasty stability, start winning NFL games, or he will be drafted over and replaced. Will he get another chance? Will he get another opportunity? He probably will, but he really needs to take that next step. I think they've done things to surround him with the ability to do that. It's now just up to him to see if he can. Yeah, I I am curious. I mean, coaching staffs do ruin quarterbacks, but I I don't want to see him regress. I think that's the big thing, is if he does take a step back, 
this year, that's going to be very concerning with the addition of DJ Moore with offensive line help, things like that. Like I, I would be very, very, very concerned if he does take a step back and that would make me think, okay, staff is getting fired. If they're bad enough again, and if they're in, I mean, if they're in the Caleb Williams, Drake may sweep. Oh, it's over. Absolutely it's over. over. I mean, yeah. if you were that bad again, it's, yeah. it's more of an indictment on Justin Fields that you, you're at a top three pick position again. There's no way that you can, there's no way he's going to be able to recover from that. Yeah. I mean, but it's a, it's a bad team though. And that's the thing is like, I don't, I like best case scenario. I still think they're a top 10 pick. Like, and that's, that's the thing is, I don't know how much Justin Fields is going to save that team. So again, and maybe this is an overreaction of how bad he, he is, but I mean, it was historically bad last year. It was historically bad. Will grant him that he was throwing to the likes of Equiminia St. Brown and Dante Pettis at p- large points throughout the season. So Rashad Perryman at one point came in like, yeah, they had a just absolute studs out there running around the rocks. So um, I, I don't think it's that bad. I think he can take more of a step forward than that. But I, I don't have I don't have MVP Justin Fields upside season like you got you got to walk. You got to walk before you run. Yeah. Like, come on, That's guys. Nuts. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely insane to me. But unfortunately, let's move into one of our other overreactions. And this is in the uh, one of our preseason trades. And I won't pin this one on you. This is this is fully on me. Um one of the worst trades of last year that I think I made. And, you know, it's, it's good to look back and see where we, where we faltered, where we made some mistakes and go, go through this trade for me. Cause I don't really want to repeat it again. Before, before we do like it just, it just bears mentioning that last year, you know, if you really think back to last summer and we had all the, the tear down specials, right? People were not doing it correctly. Let's start with that. People were not doing teardowns correctly. Yes, if you go from, you know, Justin Jefferson to Tyler Boyd, that is a teardown, but that is a lot of teardowns, like several tiers. People were not just going one teardown. They were going three or four and getting some additional pluses that they thought would make up for it. And that was the big problem with with the teardowns is they were not doing them correctly. Especially in lineup like start 10, start 11, which is where we were. And and fully guilty here. Uh, I I had full belief in, uh, we'll we'll touch on a couple of trades that I made, but like talking about the the QB2s, like Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford after what he did the year before. Like I bought into them being a quote unquote tear down from some of these other guys. And if I could get a plus plus, I was all for it. Uh, So the trade that we're going to talk about here. Um, again, I did not approve of this. I did it without his consent, and I am sorry for it because we probably I, would have won the league if I didn't do it. I was I was very upset that day, and I was like, yeah, I kind of brushed off. I was like, ah, I'm fine, I'm fine. We traded away Justin Fields and Nick Chubb. Justin Fields and Nick Chubb for Matthew Stafford, Zeke Elliott, and Isaiah McKenzie, and this was a week before the season started. We had a Cooper Cup on our team, and I really wanted and hey, again, put yourself in last year's shoes. Yeah. Matthew Stafford was a top twelve quarterback at this time last year, and he was going to be smashing with Cooper Cup again. Really wanted the Cooper Cup Matthew Stafford stack. I didn't think the drop off between Chubb and Zeke would be that drastic. Obviously, both of those things turned out to be incredibly wrong and opposite. Uh, and it just goes to show like 
there is an incredible amount of variance from what we think and know what we believe right now to be the case in fantasy football. And within weeks of the season starting, it will all flip on its head. I mean, knowing your hatred for, for Justin Fields, he was well, not going to be on our team. I mean, yes, you're right. <laughs> I was to say, I was like, I didn't say anything wrong. Like, you just don't like, you don't like Chicago, and and I get it. But uh, nothing else, you know, in terms of Justin Fields, you just didn't want him on the roster. And and based on what he did the year prior, I didn't blame you. I was like, yeah, let's look for. We were exploring trades for Justin Fields for sure, no doubt about that. Um, and after the first four weeks of the season, I know that you would have been yelling at me like, we should have taken the dang trade. We should have taken that trade. So you know, it worked out. Uh, we still for four weeks for four weeks, but you know, we, we definitely had a very, very good team. And, uh, you know, if we would have had Chubb and fields, we probably would have won that league, but Hey, it is what it is. I mean, I made my own massive teardown mistakes, uh, admittedly. So I traded off of Justin Herbert, uh, Stafford and Russ were two of just, just fool's gold, man. I mean, I traded Josh Jacobs, Herbert, and two seconds, Jacobs, Herbert, two seconds for Russ. Talk about another guy. Allen Robinson, the the other fool's gold. So Russ, Allen Robinson, I did get Saquon, and Rashad White. And it's just like you, you take out Rashad White and Allen Robinson for the seconds. It basically is Jacobs and Herbert for Russ and Saquon. And it's... it's and it feels like you tear teared down your Herbert into just a straight Stafford and you're sitting awful. there, you're sitting there and it oh. just completely fell apart in your hands. And you're like, how do I recover the two plus first? It feels like that I lost here. And I still made the championship game and tied with Peter and Peter. I hope you're listening because it was a tie. Um, <laughs> I still tied with Peter and, and it's like, if I would have had Herbert, I mean, I have Stafford on that team too. So he wasn't playing. I had cup on that team who also wasn't playing. Like just the, the bitterness I have because that trade, I look back on, I'm like, if I didn't do that, where would that team have gone? So yeah, I mean, we we all we all have those. Everybody, if you've been playing Dynasty in enough leagues for long enough, you you obviously have taken your licks. It's all about you know just you're gonna get got. Just get more than you got got though. And and we learned you know tearing down there there is a method to the madness. There's a way to do it correctly. And when you're talking about quarterbacks specifically, if you're in that top eight, you just kind of don't want to do it. Like. If no, you, if, I really don't want to move either way in those top eight. Honestly, yeah. like I don't want to pay up. I don't want to pay up to move into the Allen Mahomes Hurts tier, and I don't want to really tear off of them and pick up the first because either yeah. way, it doesn't really feel like it's worth it for me. It's scary, man. So like tear down summer was one of those things that that definitely backfired on on a lot of people, um, and I feel like it's it's something that has has been you know appropriately corrected we're we're making the more appropriate moves and the right moves for tiering within so um yeah i think that kind of wraps up just the the major overarching overreactions or reactions for 2022 anything else you want to touch on before we look at this upcoming season no just just before we do move off that last point i, I think it's definitely important to understand the difference between those tier downs, especially if you're looking at a best ball versus a lineup strategy. I know a lot of our content has moved towards a best ball strategy and a lot of our leagues have moved towards that. Um, 
but whenever we're in those lineups, especially, you know, if you, if you've been listening to the dynasty trades and fives shows, and you've been listening to all the content that goes on here with the 40 chess guys and the roster construction series that Scott and Co- Scott Connor and them have done, it is all about your format. And if you are in that best ball mindset, it, pays you to tear down but tear down in the right way in those lineups start 10 especially if some of those questions that you get whatever it's like a start 8 10 team league that's not the spot to tear down so it's all just about the roster construction i think we've grown and evolved as a community a lot since then of last year to really know where you want to do that and pick your spots for those type of moves but um, i think we've grown a lot since those 2022 overreactions but now we can look to what our possible overreactions could be for the 2023 season so do you want to start off i mean we just ended on qb2s you want to start off with the qb2s let's go into it again man Let, let's see All if right. we've gone too far swung the pendulum too far <laughs> i mean so so obviously last year was was bad we had the top eight basically and and after that it was i mean you had danny dimes play well and take a step up it seemed like uh, Dak got hurt but he did have you know good ish numbers kyler's injury we had a lot of injuries stafford out russell wilson playing just atrocious with with nathaniel hackett um aaron Rodgers had one of his worst seasons like the quarterback two market just fell off it was cousins golf i mean what i think that's pretty much it you, you i mean gino at, gino out of nowhere but the, the but ones he, that actually sustained yeah. their value i mean those are probably and golf was golf was dead too because he didn't yeah. actually put together a full season so he actually stepped up about as well as gino did i think it was really only Kirk cousins that really provided the value that he you drafted him at for the entirety of the year yeah i mean dynasty barry big shout out to him i mean he was way in on jared goff last summer before you know seeing the breakout and uh and so he was he was all over he's like yeah goff is goff's my guy this year goff's my guy and 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 he was like goff played very very well he was a top 10 quarterback in in, you know in most formats uh so he he actually kind of resurged his career i guess potentially i mean he hasn't got the contract quite yet but it seems like the writing's on the wall there yeah, I do, I do think the the contract is coming for Jared Goff. I don't really see any way. I know they drafted Hennon Hooker as a possible quote unquote replacement, but I, they've already said that it's a red shirt year for him. They're grooming him for something way down the road. If Jared Goff were to just completely fall off this year, I think that's just kind of like their safety valve backup plan. But I do think that this team, as soon as you know midpoint of the season this year, could be extending Jared Goff to a multi-year contract, and that's really where I think this team is going forward with. So, with with all that being said, with with what we saw last year with quarterback twos, I mean, we have you know I mentioned Cousins, Tua is is going to be you know on the mend. Hopefully, there's no no other concussion issues. We have Geno stepping into the picture uh, potentially for uh, you know the foreseeable future daniel jones maybe he's a qb2 back in qb1 you know goff uh, stafford russ Carr, rogers like that's kind of where we're at like i don't know if there's anyone else that would make sense but do you think any of those are going to be viable options of quote-unquote qb2s that could be putting up qb1 numbers this year I think you're definitely going to see it. I mean, we've obviously seen a new floor kind of set the market with all of the rushing quarterbacks and the change yeah. of the dynamic of the quarterback 
position through the fantasy landscape over the last couple of years. I mean, we've added, and I mean, if you just look at the top 10, I mean, you're already looking at Anthony Richardson without taking a step on the field is already within the top 10. Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, all of these guys have just such a high rushing floor of almost like five, six, 700 yards that it's hard to picture where they don't have that type of volume over the course of a season to fall outside of the top 10. Unfortunately, what seems like it's going to happen is that every year we do have rollover and turnover. And we see guys like Gino, like Jared Goff step into that role and actually be within that top 12. And I, I do think we're going to have that this year. The ones that I would really kind of target out would be kind of the, the two, uh, Tagovailoa that we talked about. One of our personal favorites is definitely Daniel Jones because he does have that rushing yeah. floor and isn't within that top 12 as it currently stands. Um, do we see that evolution out of Jordan Love that we're not really expecting for him to take the step? Can he pick it to take a next step up? I don't know. And I, I can't really be the guy who tells you which one of these quarterbacks is going to take that next step. My bet, my bets are on Daniel Jones and Kirk Cousins to repeat exactly what he did last year and still be the Minnesota Vikings quarterback of the future. Like those are my two that I'm really bought into. However, there's going to be a couple of other guys that really take these step ups, steps up that we're not projecting as it currently stands. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, I, if, if healthy, if quarterbacks stay healthier this year, I know that some are going to miss a game or two, but like we saw large chunks of seasons missed from, from a lot of these guys. And, and, you know, I think it, we even saw a play from even Herbert get, you know, even though he played the entire season, like his play overall uh, was not that great when he was, when he was healthy. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one new offense, new situation. I mean, same old offense technically with with Nathaniel Hackett there, but right. new weapons, actual weapons compared to what he had last year. Uh, but a bunch of rookies, you know, Brees Hall. Mate, there's rumor of Dalvin Cook there. Uh, I would be very excited to see what he can do in that system. I mean, again, he is 39 years old. He's towards the end of his career. Is he actually physically falling off? I think that will be answered this year for sure. Um, so he he's one that I think you can kind of get a little bit cheaper, be kind of looking at that would be a QB two that can potentially get you QB one numbers uh, just because of what he can do efficiency wise in that type of system. Uh, I don't want to put, I don't think Russ can crack top 12. He can get close Stafford. Same thing. I don't think they're quite there. It is Goff, dimes, Gino to cousins. I feel like those are the ones. And I feel like, even with the rookies that we're seeing, like with with what the way the offense has been going, we're going to start seeing kind of the depth at quarterback start to show again. I feel like it was super thin last year. It felt really, really shoddy. I think we're going to have more consistency and see more depth. Whether that's going to you know translate to super high end fantasy success or not, I don't know. But I don't think we're going to be like piecing together quarterback like a lot of people were last year, trying to figure out who their QB2 is. And I think we've seen this kind of try to be solved from the NFL side of things as well. Three years in a row, we've seen more quarterbacks start games every single year. I think it's gone from the mid 50s all the way up to low 60s in terms of number of quarterbacks who have started an NFL game for a team last season. And so they're they're trying to put these rules in place. We see, you know, 
Tom Brady gets sacked from what looks like just a harmless drag down and it's a 15 yard penalty. Quarterbacks are trying to be protected. And eventually I do think we'll see that these quarterbacks are actually able to stay more healthy because of that. Um, the, the one that I would say I've, I've obviously got to rock with my boy rock out with your Brock out. You know, he, he is my guy. I'm going to say that he's probably going to be a top 12 quarterback this year. I know that's to the chagrin of Mike over there on 4d chess, but I absolutely love that guy. And in the Shanahan offense, Jimmy G has put up like top end QB two numbers. I think the Brock party with that offense over there, if he comes back from health in a points per game season, could potentially be along that cusp this year and be that kind of new Kirk Cousins guy for us and one of the best offenses for a quarterback that we've ever really seen elevate what I'm not going to say that Brock Purdy is anything special, but every single year he elevates what his quarterback can be to points that they should definitely not be. And I will definitely lean into another Brock Purdy season. I've got way too many Brock Purdy shares. It's the Saints right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so what you're telling me is there's a little bit of bias in that answer there. <laughs> I mean, a little bit, but you know, so, I, I absolutely do love him. I, I'm just going to look at just simple points per game uh, at 2022 and just to kind of give people some context here. So in 2022, just looking at points per game, I know some of these guys missed games. Uh, people that scored 16 points per game in just regular PPR, standard, standard scoring stuff um, was 11. There were 11 quarterbacks with 16 or more points per game in 2022. In 2021, that number, 21. So to give you an idea of the massive step back in terms of production from 2021 to 2022, I feel like we're going to see some some regression in that sense where these quarterbacks are going to stay healthy, the offenses are going to be a little bit better, more efficient, or more effective, and we're going to see a little bit more uh, better quarterback production out of these QB2s. So, um, just something to think about does not mean go down tiering to these quarterback twos. That is not what we were saying. We just finished telling you not to do that, but if you can acquire them and you need a quarterback two, I don't think it's as ugly as it was last year. And I think that's the thing to take away is I don't think you have to go like if you're trying to compete, you can still compete with these quarterback twos. In my opinion, I don't think you can only compete with two top nine quarterbacks. I know what that's what we preach. That's what we like to get to in a full roster construction of optimization. However, I think you can still compete with one of those top, you know, six guys and then backfill with a quarterback two and another quarterback three on your roster. But I think we I think we've gone yeah. through that conversation enough. Let's move into what one of those quarterback twos is throwing to in a rookie wide receiver of JSN and what we've seen from these rookie wide receivers that might be a little bit overreactionary to. Yeah, I mean, last week did a, a little bit of research into just rookie quarterbacks and Jordan Backus, uh, analytics director of for, for Destination Devi, has some incredible threads in the Discord. So again, patreon.com forward slash all gas. Make sure you're part of that Discord. I think if you're part of all conference, you get access to his analytics. So he's done a bunch of stuff on rookie quarterbacks, uh, you know, coming into the league and then from year one to year two and just their progression. But we just kind of broke down some of the numbers in the news uh in a newsletter this past week, looking at rookie, you know, rookie wide receivers. And, you know, the big one this year is, is JSN, you know, JSN, it seems like he's head and shoulders above the rest when it comes to being wide receiver one in this class. And we see it every year where there's, there's a lot of hype for these guys. They get the draft capital, they end up in a situation. And I feel like right now where JSN is being drafted and being taken, I mean, 
Is he is he the wide receiver three on his own team? The unfortunate thing, kind of like in 2022, I was a Drake London stan. Unfortunately, yep. if I really looked at the numbers, if I really looked at what that Atlanta Falcons team was going to look like in terms of just a full offensive projection, what was the path for Drake London to actually return value on where I was taking him? And that's the thing that I think we have to look at whenever we're looking at the Seattle Seahawks offense. I don't expect in year one for JSN to take over of Tyler Lockett. I don't expect him to take over DK Metcalf. And you've got a projectedly very balanced team with the running game where they're just drafting Zach Charbonnet and pairing him with Kenneth Walker as well. What is the path for JSN to increase his value from where it currently is based upon his freshman year production in the NFL? If he's the wide receiver three on his team, he's definitely going to go down from where he's currently being taken as like a top 16 wide receiver in Dynasty currently. I mean, every year you have rookies come into the league. Last year we had what we thought was an incredible rookie class with Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks and despite what we saw out of even Chris Olave who who was the best finisher in terms of fantasy of the wide receivers he was still just a back-end wide receiver too and like he's the number one on his own team I know the quarterback situation was iffy but like let's be real JSN is not the number one on his team best case scenario he's the number two and what that's going to translate to is not wide receiver one numbers with as long as DK is there, those two are going to, to feed off of each other. And I know people are bringing up the argument, Oh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf have finished wide receiver ones before. Yeah, it's happened before and happened with, with Russ at quarterback. I think it's going to be a different offense based on the fact that they just drafted second round running backs back to back years. You know, they, they want to run the ball. They want it to be efficient, effective passing. And I think in the end, JSN will be the number three on his own team in year one. And what like we're projecting Tyler Lockett to move on. What if Tyler Lockett just stays around for another year? What if they just give him another two year contract and he's still there on that offense? I don't project him to still be in front of JSN come his year 32 season on the field. However, he's still going to be a predominant factor in that offense. And I just I, I don't see what the path is for JSN to actually increase his value from where it is currently wide receiver 12 on keep trade cut. What is the path for him to really prove in his freshman year that he deserves that type of ranking in terms of just fantasy points produced? You you need a big time early season like hit. You need him to come out week one, week two, week three and show out like truly just pr- like be the best player on the field. Um, otherwise, I feel like his his value is going to drop and, and we talk about this all the time i mean brandon and i talked about it all all last year with with wide receivers it's just going to happen like it takes a little bit of time to adjust outside of justin jefferson and jamar chase who came in and just smashed but those are generational talents and i think we have some good players i think jsn's very good but he's gonna have to come in and absolutely just show out for him to maintain value um, or even increase value. And if anything, it's going to, what we're going to see is a couple games with three targets, four targets, and people are going to be like, oh, <laughs> that's not what we wanted. 
Not not to derail us too much, but it's You're crazy. Fine. It's crazy that a generation is only like two years because generational talents of Justin <laughs> Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and next year Marvin Harrison have all came out within five years of each other. So, bro, we we bring up that word way too much. It, it is Pitt's crazy that that's generational, and we're gonna say it next year with Brock <laughs> Bowers too. Crazy that a generation is only two years in modern day. I digress. No, <laughs> but you're but you're right though. Like it's it's a word that's thrown around way too much. But like I think we can we can look at those two and kind elite of, talents. They're elite talents. I I mean I think we can go as far as to say that that th- those two might have uh, proven that they're generational, whereas Kyle Pitts hasn't quite lived up to that yet. But yeah, either way, you know what? Whatever word you want to use, we can use it. So Had those two are very good at football. And the other ones are just okay at it. And so um, these okay rookies that are coming into the league this year are, are going to, to lose value at some point. But, but what we could see, if, if you are holding on to that JSN share right now, if, if you are holding on to that and maybe you're actually listening and thinking, man, I might actually have to pivot, I'm still not doing that right now. Because I do think throughout preseason, we might not see Tyler Lockett. We might not see DK Metcalf on the field. This is what we saw last year out of a George Pickens type, where he's the only one on the field with you know basically the second string offense and just dominating. And I could totally see that arc play out for JSN, where he is the only one on the field out of the first string starters and we are just saying oh my god he's going for 10 140 and two touchdowns in these preseason games he's just going to absolutely smash that's the point that i'm waiting for to trade off my jsn shares yeah i and i think that's that would be the right process play that would be the right idea the right mindset to do is is to, to shift into something that you know if you're a win now team that you can get something that's going to help you or if you're rebuilding and you need additional assets you break them into two um, get that first in a player and then, and then, you know, try to, to build from there. But, uh, but again, we talked about it earlier, context of your league matters. If you're in a start eight, whatever, you know, it, that stuff matters. So yeah, obviously know what you're doing whenever you're <laughs> within your league, know your format, know everything about that. Know your, know your own personal trade market within your 12 team or 10 team league, whatever it is, you have to know exactly what you're doing before you go out there and just start spamming out deals that have been thrown about across yeah. the Twitterverse. So let's, let's, uh, let's wrap up the last thing here that, you know, or last thing of fantasy relevance and kind of dive into back into the NFL side before we wrap things up here. So, we we talked about the wide receivers. We talked about a lot of things that have been overreacted to or that are going to get overreacted to in 2023. Um, one of the biggest shifts we've seen so far in fantasy is the shift from running backs being king to now wide receivers being king and running backs are dead. And I've seen it in far too many leagues where people just do not value running back at all. I mean, has it gone too far at this point? It's it's crazy, man. Like I, I remember last year in startups, I saw JT being taken at the 104 in a Superflex Dynasty startup. Um, it has changed in dichotomy a lot from last year to where we currently are now, where the only thing that you can possibly do is take Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase at the 106 or the 107, and that's the earliest that you can take them. No running back should probably even be taken within the first round of a dynasty startup right now, as we're currently thinking about it. And to be, it might be an overreaction. We might be swinging the pendulum too far, but I think we're 
swinging it probably 80% in the right correction because I think this is the way the NFL is taking the running back position. We've seen it from everybody. I mean, all of these running backs that are currently out there, the Zeke, the four nets, the um, Dalvin cooks, all of these guys are not finding jobs. The, the market value of these running backs is going down and everybody's turning into this running back by committee. I think with that, we are actually appropriately and not overreacting to what the NFL is telling us and appropriately devaluing the running back position for our fantasy teams, just like the NFL is. Yeah. I think, I think it's one of those things that Ray talks about all the time is, is listen to what the league is telling you. Listen to what the NFL teams are telling you or, or just follow what they're doing. Like they're showing you that, that the running back position does not matter. They are not paying that position. They are happy to draft as many as they can. Just bring in a, okay, we just need an A-gap guy that's going to slam up the middle. All right, come on, uh, Rojo, come on in. Malik Davis, you'll be fine. You can fill that Zeke role. That's no problem. Like They're willing to just save that money and put it into other positions because they can find someone to fill that role. And And I feel like, yes, let's not go – too crazy where we say running backs don't matter i know that's on my twitter so whatever but you know um that might be taking it a little too far because the good ones matter like the ecklers matter the cmc's matter saquon matters chubb matters like they all matter when they're healthy and when they're getting those touches we thought Najee mattered and then we started to get a little concerned about what was happening with that offense. Like, and, and now we're on Jalen Warren hype season. <laughs> Ugh, overreaction. But yeah, um, it's one of those things that like, yeah, it, it has shifted to the point now where they matter until they don't. And like the, the fact that with the running back position, it can shift in a blink of an eye where you just all of a sudden do not matter um, to an NFL team is scary. And so that's where it's like I've mentally shifted my own mindset where it's like I'm okay. Sure, I'm going to have some good ones, like no doubt about it, but I'm not building a team around running back anymore, no matter the scoring, just because the volatility is still there where there's going to be high turnover, whoever's an RB1. There's massive health issues at that position, and it's just tough to project every single year. I think the thing that we've seen is just a true shift from where we insulate the value within our fantasy teams. Beforehand, it was that you could stick your value within a B. John Robinson, and for the next five years, he would hold that three first worth of value. That's not going to happen for B. John Robinson. Come year three, he's just like any other one of these guys. I mean, we've already seen how we've just absolutely destroyed last year's, like I said, 104 startup pick in Jonathan Taylor, and he's can you get two first for Jonathan Taylor right now? I honestly don't think you can on the open market in most just standard format dynasty leagues right now. I honestly don't think that you can. And so there's no insulation of value within these running backs anymore. It is truly just a one to two year position. And so that's not where I'm willing to invest my assets of my fantasy team. Like you said, I still want guys that are going to produce. I still want my Jacobs, Eckler, CMCs, but those guys are typically on the older side of the spectrum at this point. I don't really want to pay up to invest in these guys that are coming out. I don't want to pay to invest in Brees Hall's Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Taylor, the Javante Williams types. I don't really want to start keep paying up to invest in these guys because one year from now, it can be so much worse where they're basically the next Dalvin cook who are on the street and just fighting for yeah. a job. I mean, we've already seen Brees Hall after a fantastic rookie year, one injury, and they're already talking about bringing in Dalvin cook just to play a partial role with him and, convert him basically into like a 40 to 50% guy. 
there's no investment from the NFL side in these guys, and I don't think there should be for the fantasy side of things either. Yeah, I, you brought up Bijan because he is running back one. He's going at the back of back into first high high second round pick. For those of you that are out there that still believe he is going to be a 1,500-yard rusher with 500 yards receiving and 25 touchdowns, uh, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. And you talk about value insulation and the, and the running back position as a whole. I think it's the only position where, like, yeah, youth is okay, but, like, I just don't care about it anymore. Like, you know, we talk about Jefferson and Chase, and they're they're super young and super, you know, they're, they're at the high end of, of their position. But like we saw Cam Akers, we saw J.K. Dobbins, Javante Williams, Brees Hall, ACLs and 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 uh, and Achilles like they miss a year. Uh, We had ETN with his foot injury year one. They all miss a year. And then you have the, the ramp up time for the following season when they're actually healthy. They lose so much time in terms of NFL value and fantasy value as well. That it's just like I just don't care. Like I don't want to invest in one and find out like, oh man, I just lost. I lost. You know, I knock on wood, lost Bijan for for the year, and then it's like then you're playing the the catch up game next year. And it's like I just lost two years of my second round pick or my first round pick, and you're sol. JT, his injury wasn't even like a torn you know ligament, and people devalued him, and he just lost value. DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, all of these guys just go back through the history book of the last five years. And none of these guys are building to the point to what we saw this 20, the 2017 class, man, the 2017 class spoiled and ruined what we thought the running back position was going to be moving forward. And I don't think that we're going to see any of these guys replace them as this two first worth of value that CMC still carries. I don't think that we're going to see replacement of that. We're just going to see guys who fill in the role for a little while and then they fade off into the existence. And don't even get me started on the guys who don't have the draft capital invested behind them. The Philip Lindsay's, the James Robinson's of the world. Those guys appear and then disappear in the blink of an eye and they're absolutely gone from the league. They're playing in the XFL this year. I mean, it's incredible if you don't have even any draft capital invested into you how quickly these guys can go it is truly a year-to-year bet with almost any of them and and that's the scary thing so like when you're investing you know and again it's not that we don't want them on our team it's just talking about the investment at the start or do i have to pay two first for them type of thing then no i'm probably out but if i can find a value on them sure that's why we typically go for the aging assets that we can get for a year or two you know, you can get an Aaron Jones for cheaper. You can get those guys that are going to theoretically produce for you um, in a one to two year window and then move on. But if you build your team right in the quarterback room, the wide receiver room and, you know, ooh, tight end, um, <laughs> you know, that's a story for another day. But uh, if you if you do build your team correctly, you can find the replacements at the running back position to build a successful dynasty team. Um, and, and if you you know, year in and year out, do that. You're you're going to have some good running backs on your roster, but you're just not going to have that high value Bijan potentially. I'm I'm really interested to see it this year. It's going to be yeah. a fascinating market to navigate this running back market throughout the 2023 season. As we've seen, like we said, pendulum shift so far to the wide receiver. Does the running back take a step up and take a step back towards really commanding anything in the dynasty landscape right now? 
I don't know that it will. It'll take a lot of healthy, high-producing seasons. Like People will have to go out there and just start giving you Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor of 2021-level seasons. And I I don't know if it's going to happen from a lot of these guys. We've just got too many split-up backfields. Everybody's on a one-year contract, it feels like, at this point anymore, unless you're Bijan, unless you're Jameer Gibbs. I don't have any long-term investment capital in you right now. Yep. I mean, and that's that's just going to be the running back position going forward. I mean, it's it is a especially when it comes to injury. If it, if an injury happens, um, you know, P, the NFL is going to move on, and so are fantasy managers. So it's like, all right, how can we adjust? How can you still have those players on your team? Because when they are healthy, they're going to be great. Um, and and again, you don't want to bank on injury, but uh, and if the team's building in a specific way where they're going to have multiple backs, or they find someone replaceable, like. I just don't want to have that bet or all my eggs in that basket. So we'll see if it's an overreaction, man. That's, that's what the overreaction pod yep, is exactly. going to be here all the way throughout the season. We're <laughs> going to be doing our overreactions every single week of the fantasy season as we actually kick off. But unfortunately we are in the dead season right now, trying yeah. to project probably foolishly what we're going to project the overreactions of the 2023 season to be as we obviously were foolish as a fantasy community last year, whenever we thought Allen Robinson yeah. was worth a back end first. Oh yeah, that one. I don't even want to, I don't even want to talk about some of those anymore, man. Like it just pains again it was conversation you know in theory it all makes sense right like you, you talk about it, it it sounds like Allen robinson should be good and oh my god that ramp situation just brutal. it's it's the volatility of the nfl man it's the volatility yeah. of fantasy we think we know things until we actually get on the field and injuries and variance happens and while while we think we know a lot everything is going to change once the season starts can't wait for it man yeah, man, I always I always get told you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, we don't, don't know anything. Know. <laughs> we don't know anything. So here we are. You know, um, any last things you want to wrap up on here? I know we're about an hour in um, any other. I mean, we're going to get into a lot more overreactions here. We just wanted to kind of touch on some of last year's and look into this year. Any other things you want to get into before we wrap out? I'm good, man. Uh, it's going to be a fun week. Got my fishbowl draft going up this weekend. So absolutely excited. And we'll definitely we'll definitely rep the overreaction brand up there at the draft board, whatever yeah. I'm putting that sticker on the board, definitely going to overreact whenever I put hopefully Josh Allen on the board. I <laughs> love it. Love it, man. And, and speaking of, we, we have moved faster in my draft during the times that we have been recording this pod. We are now at the two Oh five. I don't know Ooh. what will win just happened, but Hey, I guess if we're going to go overnight, perfect. I'm happy that we're moving into the second round. Uh, we have 12 active managers. No one is getting replaced. That's exciting. So, ah, all right. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Let's uh, finish this up again. Patreon.com forward slash all gas. And thank you so much for joining us here on the Overreaction Podcast. <laughs>